It's an NFL recap edition of Riding the 3x3 with your host Russ Heltman and Patrick Fetch. We dive deep into the full NFL Week 9 slate. Tampa Bay tumbles at home against the Saints in the marquee matchup. Kyler versus Tua does not disappoint. And we had some fireworks in Orchard Park between the Buffalo Bills and the Seattle Seahawks. All those matchups and more, along with our MVPs and Fumble of the Week. Coming up on this edition of Riding the 3x3, you can catch us on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review, five stars, you know the deal. Keep supporting the Riding the 3x3 movement. Let's roll into lane number one. Weekly special edition of Brian the 3x3 NFL recap week nine slates coming at you here across the next hour of Brian the 3x3 content. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined as always across the line by Patrick Vetch. It was a weird, wild, crazy, youthful quarterback filled week nine. A lot of fun games, some surprises here and there. Pat Steelers got a little bit of a scare. They escaped the, uh, the Garrett Gilbert train and uh, got the... Meanwhile, Tampa Bay scratching their head after a 38-3 loss. Seattle, success going west to east, not in Orchard Park this year against the Buffalo Bills. So much to get to, Pat. Welcome into the program. It's good to be here as always, Russ, and happy to be here on a day where we get to talk for as long as, we, you know, no deadlines today, no shows. I'm, we could talk for hours. Who knows how long this one could go. I know we got the the New England Patriots versus the New York Jets this evening to close out the week nine slate. But Pat, I mean, that's 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 just perfect timing <laughs> for us to change the schedule from Tuesday to Monday, because then we don't really have to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, it, there, there aren't really many, many. There are there are no outcomes, honestly, besides an earthquake uh, in the northeast <laughs> region that would cause us to uh, have some kind of emergency podcast. So that's, that's a good thing to keep off our radar. Let's get into the week, week nine slate right now. I'll kick things off with the first half of games, Packers 49ers from Thursday evening, top seven, Pat, the top seven touches or touch getters from the NFC or NFC champion 49ers team from a year ago, all out due to COVID related illnesses or uh, injuries and the like. So they were depleted nearly, I think it was like $80 million in salary cap was gone from the team. They didn't never, never stood a chance against the high octane Packers offense. The connection between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, as good as ever. A Raj, four touchdowns, 305 yards, and his compatriot on the receiving end, Devontae Adams, another astounding performance. 10 catches, 173 yards, and a touchdown to boot. Pinpoint accuracy from Aaron Rodgers. And just a surgical clinic on a night where San Francisco completely outgunned. Brutal, brutal situation for the 49ers. Nothing they can do about it. But it was a great get-right game for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They had been a little shaky. A-Rodg hasn't been his best. But go out there, 300 yards, four touchdowns. Kind of a perfect performance. And you're right. It's so fun to watch him in Devontae. I had the the privilege of rooting for Big Ben and A.B. that had this chemistry, that had this mesh that was just like any other. And Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have that same sort of chemistry. It doesn't matter. They're, he's always open. There's always a window for him. It's beautiful to watch those two play football together. To that point, Pat, a little stat to uh, give a taste to the people of the historic pace Devontae Adams is on right now. First player to record three games of at least 10 grabs, 150 yards in his first eight games of a season. Second player in NFL history to record three games of 10 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown in a single year. Joining Calvin Johnson, who uh, 
went 0 3 in those contests. Packers were 3 and 0 in the Adams games. Just might be a little taste, a little preview of what I got in store for the people in the MVP pick, but that's going to be saved down the line. Let's keep rolling along the slate. Not much more to get to on that one. San Francisco mm. season appears to be over. Just too many injuries, Pat. The the hangover hit the Super Bowl uh Super Bowl appearance from the 2019 season for the for the San Francisco 49ers. Not really their fault though, uh, as opposed to some other teams of years past kind of crumbled due sure. to uh overall fatigue or just lack of I'd continuity in the locker room. I'd say more the COVID season, right? Injuries yeah. coming from you no know, training camp and then dealing with COVID itself. So tough, tough circumstance. How about Richie James though? They were down to like their last, yeah. they were down to us having to call me or you to play receiver. This guy comes out here, <laughs> nine catches, 184 yards and a touchdown. Nobody even really talked about it. That's just kind of the, the day and age we are in, in the offensive era of NFL football in 2020. Week nine, continuing with, uh, let's see, what do we want to touch on here? Let's get to a more fun game, a very high-octane, offense-filled affair. The Buffalo Bills take out the Seattle Seahawks, upset Russell Wilson in the 6-1 and one NFC-leading uh, Northwest champs right now, 44-34. to 34. Josh Allen, probably the game of the year in a season where he has clearly broken out, uh, starting to... Uh, quell some of the doubts. I had burbling back up for him over the past couple of weeks. Thirty-one to thirty-eight, four hundred fifteen yards, three touchdowns. He annihilated this secondary pat, a secondary in the Seattle Seahawks that's now um, allowing more than three hundred sixty yards per game through the air. For some context for the listeners out there, no defense in NFL history has allowed more than three hundred yards per game. So uh, passing, that is. So to me. That, uh, that just speaks code red, code black, uh, DEFCON 9, whatever you got to hit there in, in Seattle. Pete Carroll has to figure this thing out quick, Pat, because all Buffalo had to do yesterday was pass the ball. Coach Carroll came out and said, uh, we had a great game plan for the rushing attack. Buffalo threw the ball 24 times and ran it once in the first half to gain a 24-10 to 10 lead. So much for that rushing game plan, Coach Carroll. Yeah, this game was just free yards all the way around. This was like a classic Pac-12. It was like seven on seven. It was like flag football out there. <laughs> there there was, was no defense being played. It was awful. Yeah, they just gave both. You're exactly right. It was a seven on seven game. Neither team really worried about trying to run the ball at all. Neither team worried about trying to play defense. But I mean, actually not because somehow there was about 12 sacks. It really was a Madden game. You know, they just didn't even bother. There were sacks. There was 400 yards from each quarterback. This was a wild affair, but Bills, it was a huge game for them to come out and win. I talked about it. This was, uh, you know, the difference between six and three and seven and two is massive, especially when they're going to try to bid for a top seed home field advantage. You know, if they can squeak a home field advantage against a team like the Chiefs in a massive game, that would be huge, huge, huge for the Bills. And so this was a, a huge get to get at home. And it was a fun game. Metcalf, Diggs, you know, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, everybody across the board was playing awesome in this game. Um, fun one, fun one. Go Bills, Josh Allen. Back on that MVP train a little bit here, Russ. He might be back on it just a little bit. You better watch out. He now. has the narrative right now with the victory over the, I think, still, I, st I still think, what do you think? Russell Wilson has a narrow lead right now. I'd say he's the betting favorite if you have to ask people across the board, but it's not as wide as people thought a couple weeks ago. And clearly with a loss at the hands of the young upstart MVP candidate and Josh Allen, who uh, Pat, when you throw for 10, 10.9 yards per pass 
it doesn't really matter if you get sacked seven times. It's kind of all mute. <laughs> if you allow if you allow almost eleven yards per throw, it's pretty tough to to uh, you have to get like fifteen sacks to, to mitigate all that <laughs> passing that they were able to do. Unbelievable job by Brian Dable, just stuffing it down the throat of Pete Carroll for him to come out and think with their passing defense. Just get this, Pat. Let's just. Let's just set up the the matchup that Pete Carroll thought he was going to be able to take advantage uh, of a great rushing at rushing defense game plan. Seattle's end of the week sixth in DVOA against the rush, thirtieth against the pass. On the other side, Bills came in ranked twenty fifth on the ground on offense in DVOA and fifth in passing DVOA. In what planet did Pete Carroll think that they were going to just go three yards in a cloud of dust, give the ball to? 40 times combined to Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Not any planet that we're living on, Pat. I know that. Yeah, I've the Seattle defense is a problem. We talked about it before, and their secondary is awful. Jamal Adams coming back, he's he's the type of safety, too, that he's so aggressive at the line. He wants to play so – it's so easy to manipulate him. He's not a coverage guy, and they it's need so him. E- yeah, exactly he's so easy to manipulate he's so easy to put in binds and he's not comfortable playing that deep free free center field safety that uh earl thomas played and it's just not a great match right now they're gonna have to figure that out or completely change his dynamic on that defense because it was just too easy everything the bills was too easy absolutely right pat bills get the seven and two now have a almost guaranteed chance over 90 percent to make the playoffs well over 75% chance to win the division against a team that we're going to be getting to a little later with Pat's section, the Miami Dolphins, upstart with Tua Tagovailoa, and they have a great defense to boot. So that's going to be a fun uh, fun run down the stretch. Looking like the early 90s in the AFC East, Pat, with the Dolphins and this the Bills different. battling at the top, like Jim Kelly and Dan like, Marino. Yeah, it doesn't look like our lifetime, I'll tell you that much. You got that. You got that right. All right, moving along to the next game. Let's go to one that I got to eat some crow. Tough week for the sucker bets after uh, a great, great run. Pat and I had yet to have an 0-2 stretch on a sucker bet week, but it finally happened. He picked the Vikings as his sucker bet. They easily covered against the lowly Detroit Lions. And then my sucker bet pick of the Baltimore Ravens as a favorite, well, stuffed down my throat. 24-10 victory over the Indianapolis Colts. They made Phillip Rivers' noodle arm Look like a uh, overcooked 15 minutes piece of spaghetti. Look flaccid. Look terrible. It was an absolute disgrace to watch him try to throw the ball. I don't know what happened compared to him. Oh wait, I know what happened. He actually played a real defense this week, and as opposed to going up uh, against the likes of the Bengals and such over the past few uh, few contests. So 227 yards, one interception. It sounded even worse than that for Phillip Rivers, who just could not move the ball down the field. For some context, they brought in Jacoby Brissett at the end of the first half to throw the Hail Mary. His arm is shot. It's it's sad, Pat. There's a clear ceiling on Phillip Rivers, especially when they don't have T.Y. Hilton. It's almost impossible for this offense to be a plus for this team, especially when they're making mistakes, putting the ball on the ground like Jonathan Taylor did in the first half, making the crucial interception like Rivers did in the second half. And on the flip side, when you got Lamar Jackson adjusting the game plan with his offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, at the halftime break, coming out 10 for 10 in the second half, being very efficient, matriculating the ball down the field, playing to their strengths and not making those crucial mistakes, it's very difficult to beat a team as technically sound as the Baltimore Ravens. Russ, you are finally starting to see the light, my man. You are finally starting to see the reality that is Phil Rivers 
And he's just awful. I mean, like I said, he throws the ball like a chicken. It's the best way to say it. He cannot lift his arm away from his body. His shoulder, his elbow, they're all just twigs at this point. He's got nothing there. And I mean, he can't Craig, beat good defenses anymore. He's at the point where he can no longer beat good defense. But the bad defense is he's just like a run of the mill quarterback now. He's not a top 10 guy like he was for so many years in, in San Diego and L.A. I think it's worse than that, too, because I think that's where Ben is. And Ben is still, you know, not letting down an elite defense when Phil Rivers just there's no chance when he plays another elite team. He just doesn't stand a chance to elevate his game and elevate the people around him. I mean, but credit to their defense who played really well. The, the uh, Ravens didn't have a play over like 20 yards. Um Lamar Jackson threw the ball efficiently in the sense of 19 for 23. He was accurate, but they weren't very explosive anywhere. And the Colts defense kept them in the game for the most part. They had the lead in the first half, but I'm mean, like I said, two for 12 on third down for Phil Rivers. And I think I said the blitz was going to be too much for him. The aggressiveness, the attitude of the Ravens defense was just going to be too much for Phil Rivers. And uh, it was too much for the whole Colts offense in this game. And you, we know, we've seen who the Colts are. The Colts have showed us exactly who they are. They are a very mediocre team without a quarterback that can elevate them to the next level. I don't know if I'd say very mediocre. They're going to make the playoffs. They're better than Tennessee. I think they win that game this weekend. Their defense is way better than Tennessee's. They're going to, I, I think they contain uh, Derrick Henry like they were able to contain the rushing attack of the Ravens this week. It, Without a Marcus, there's there's really two plays in this game that really decide everything. Marcus Peters on that very controversial interception that Philip Rivers threw where they said he had two football moves, made a football move, and then had possession of the ball. Well, he didn't carry the possession through the contact of the ground. So I don't know in what planet that's a catch, but okay. And then Jonathan Taylor uh, in the first half with the brutal uh, fumble that were shades of his issues back in Wisconsin, and he didn't receive a carry. So they got to figure that out on offense. And it's the little things against the best teams are the difference. The Ravens experienced that firsthand against your Steelers last week. And they were able to walk the conservative line, lean on that defense. And on the flip side, Lamar Jackson, only 4.1 yards, uh, average depth of target past the line of scrimmage, second lowest mark of the week per NFL next gen stats. They didn't ask him to do a lot. All they had to do was just enough, get over 20 points and they rely on their defense, which is what great teams do. Rolling along the Week 9 early slate. Let's just go ahead and get this one. Uh, let's just go ahead and get this one out of the way. Detroit and Minnesota. It was a sad, sad state of affairs for the back half of the sucker bet this week. Vikings minus four covers very easily. Another unbelievable day from Dalvin Cook. Back-to-back Dalvin Cook games. 22 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns. He shredded the life out of the Detroit Lions. Just carry after carry. Eight yards, 10 yards, 11 yards. Boom, 70-yard touchdown. The highlight of the day. Another big gainer for Dalvin Cook, who just has a that kind of different open field speed you see out of the elite running backs. And that's what Dalvin Cook is right now. Vikings three and five, very frisky after a disastrous start. I don't know, Pat. The, the this Minnesota team, they're playing winning football, and they found their formula right now after a thirty-four twenty division victory. You're right, Russ. This is the Minnesota Vikings team that each of us picked to make the playoffs. They look pretty good in the last couple of weeks, and the exact brand of football they're trying to play. Keep uh, Kirk's attempts low. 
keep his attempts low pressure, low stress, and just lean on Dalvin Cook, who, like you said, it's just been fantastic. It was fitting that he had this second half of back-to-back insane games with Adrian Peterson on the other sideline because, I mean, he's doing things Adrian Peterson had never done in a Vikings uniform, and he looks like the only other running back I've ever seen with that type of speed, that type of strength to always fall forward in all this different uh, attributes is Adrian Peterson. And maybe it's just the purple, but it's been amazing to watch him. And you're right, Russ. I think the Vikings, I mean, let's look at their schedule. At the Bears, who I will talk about them later. Versus the Cowboys. They're 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 underdogs. Interesting. They're under real quick, Pat. They're underdogs. The Bears are at home this week against the Vikings. A team that started five and out is now underdogs at home against a team that started what one in five? One in five. Yeah. One in five. (laughs) One in five. Wow, that's amazing. But yeah, so you know, pick up a win there. One, two, three, four. I could see maybe six wins, and then you just got to win as an underdog, right? Bucks, Saints, I think they could do it. Yeah. They the could Vikings get to five and five easily over the next two weeks against right. the Bears and, then, and, and, and the and Cowboys. That's a six-game season, Pat. That's all that is. It's a brand-new year. It's an NFL season that starts starts uh starts in Thanksgiving, and you keep rolling. That's when the real football starts, so really across the league. So the Vikings – in, in pole position to be that team no one wants to play down the stretch with a defense that was very young coming into the year, is starting to pick up the pace and learn this Zimmer system. He always has his guys playing their best football at the end of the year. That's what a great defensive coach does. And they have the great winning rushing formula that you, you kind of have to play – margins with you can't be very you can't make a lot of mistakes with the way they run the ball as much as they do uh with the Dalvin Cook train but it's working right now 252 yards for scrimmage for Cook fourth most by a Vikings player in franchise history he's also the first player with at least 200 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns in back-to-back games since Doug Martin back in 2012 I actually remembered those two games kind of vividly back during high school only player to pass point in Viking history to pull off that feat in back-to-back games. So Dalvin Cook cooking right now for the Minnesota. They're letting they were letting Russ cook early in the year. Minnesota, they're letting uh they're warming up the uh the, the Great Lake State, the the land land of ten thousand lakes with with a little cooking of Dalvin Cook. Rolling along, wow. one PM slate, Bears, Titans. Speaking of the team that is an underdog at home to their division rival, Minnesota. It looks okay on the surface, Pat. You know, you see 335 yards, two touchdowns, and this is what a what a, a box score gazer would look at and say, oh, Nick Foles turning it around. But if you watch this game, my Lord, like the guy is the worst kind of statue you could ever have in the pocket. Just no life back there. Never able to make anything happen off script. Sacked three times, had a 39 overall QBR. Like 52 attempts, and you get 6.4 yards per. This offense is lifeless. At one point, they were down 24 to nothing with Ryan Tannehill 5 of 15 in the game. That's how bad the Chicago Bears offense is. And it's it's every year. It's just every year. Never, ever in our lifetimes is the Chicago Bears defense, or excuse me, Chicago Bears offense seemingly going to be high-powered. I can't remember a time it ever was, and I don't know of a time it ever will be. It's awful. And the Bears defense just gave the offense chance after chance after chance after yeah. chance. They ran 20 more plays 
than the Tennessee Titans did. They were able to outgain the Titans by 150 yards, but you, I agree, Foles just he's not there. He can't make that high pressure throw. He can't make the tight throws. How many, how many just ducks? And I, I would tear my hair out if I was a Bears fan. I mean, at least they got the yards. And I did think it looked better at times than it had. But at the same time, I, I just watched the Titans' defense fall apart time after time after third down. And for the Bears to go 2-15 and 15 and just shoot themselves in the foot time and time again on a money down, you just can't do that. Like, it's, it's the NFL. Third down is where everything happens. And if you can't perform on third down, you don't stand a chance. And a lot of it is the blame on Matt Nagy, who is trying to outsmart himself. He's only playing chess against himself. He's the biggest dork in all of football. And I don't understand the lack of creativity, but also the overcomplication in his offense all in one. All I can do is sigh, Pat. The longest rushing play of the day for the Chicago Bears was a fake punt run by their defensive end gunner, gunner, defensive end, like, point man on the on the punt return or in the punting unit, Barkevius Mingo. One carry for 11 yards. That was their longest rush of the day. Like, you see the defense totally bottle up Derrick Henry. 3.2 yards per carry. I think it was, like, the first time in his career he had ever had less than 35 yards rushing in a half. Uh, across the first uh, 30 minutes of the game, it just, it just never matters because the offense can – it's the only offense in the NFL that can seemingly never find a way to consistently get to 20 points outside of the New York uh, metropolitan area. So that's what the New York <laughs> Chicago Bears are dealing with, a couple big cities dealing with big problems. Speaking of big cities and uh, a, a big city that finally, finally got a victory, it, it, it happened, Pat. They, they, got, they got off the schneid. Got the two and seven. The New York Giants, 23-20 over the Washington football team. Uh, a rivalry in which Daniel Jones is the king. 4-0 and record. He, I called him discount Baker Mayfield yesterday because it's essentially what Baker does to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, every single week, except Daniel Jones wins much less often uh, against other opponents than Baker Mayfield has shown the ability to do. Uh, Jones, pedestrian day, you know, 23-34. <laughs> 212 yards, a touchdown, 6.2 yards per attempt, but he was playing the Washington football team. And when he plays the Washington football team, they eat W's in New York. Unbelievable. And Daniel Jones is just only a couple plays away from being a playoff position, Russ. You forget that. They're you battling that. for the playoffs this weekend, right? Against the Eagles. <laughs> if they win, aren't they like a half game back or something? Yeah, I know like they should have the had that first game against the Eagles, too. They got... They're yeah, just putting division right. win after the division win. With four minutes left, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. on Thursday night, they blew the lead. I was about to turn it off, and then they came all the way back. Um, it stinks because I would love to see one of these two bottom feeder teams make the playoffs instead of the Eagles, just to see what would happen, just to see what the matchup would look like. But, I mean, this was – this did, I think, like most Washington football team games and Giants games – looked like a uh, preseason game or like an exhibition game in a lot of ways. There was just like clownish plays happening all over the field, fumbles and, uh, you know, terrible injuries and just bad play, picks thrown right at the defense. And it was just ugly altogether. If Alex Smith, though, can somehow lead this Washington football franchise to the playoffs, 
that'll be a story for the ages. Almost losing his leg however many months ago. He's got to win player, the comeback player of the year already, though, right? Regardless, Even just playing in two I'm games. There. He has to yep. win it, right, Pat? Like, no one else has done anything close to what he's done. 17 surgeries? Are you kidding me? How is Dwayne Haskins not like, – what is his deal? There has to be something even worse than, than the, the reports that are, that are said because for him to not have the starting job right now or not even be getting reps is absolutely shocking. Crazy, Pat. It has to be a demotion based on attitude. You don't go from first to third string if it's, not, if it's something uh, outside of that. So crazy, crazy stuff going on in Washington. There always is, but – when it comes to Daniel Jones, death taxes beating the Washington football team. 22 <laughs> games played in his career. He has had two games, Pat, without a turnover, both against the Washington football team. He is 4-0 against the Washington football team, 1-16 against everyone else. He has lost 16 straight versus all other opponents. Hey, One of the worst picks in your what am I beating the? Am I am I beating the dead horse? I I I, I, I love to do it because it, it just has to be said. It's it's Dave Gettleman at his finest. Beating your division rival is a key to success to keeping your job. One, and he gets to play the Washington Football Team twice a year for the rest of his career that he's with the yeah. Giants. And so, hey, if the keys to success are playing the Washington Football Team, he's in the right place for it. It's true. You guaranteed two wins at least, Daniel. You just got to find a way to get to seven, eight more, which is, uh, let's see, one in 16. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's escaping him so far after the first couple seasons uh, in Giants Blue. 1 p.m. slate, wrapping it up here soon. Carolina, Kansas City, saving a little bit of a surprising treat for the end of my uh, 1 p.m. slate. Get to the Broncos, Falcons to close things out. 33 31, Teddy freaking covers, man. 21 in four as a starter facing an underdog spread. They were, I think, 12 and a half point underdogs to 13 point underdogs, right around two touchdowns, wherever you found your, your wagering happiness. But they made it, made it very interesting with the Kansas City Chiefs held leads at multiple points of this game uh, and, and came down right to the wire. Lost kiss Christian McCaffrey once again. We'll see what his injury status is. Curtis Samuel continues to be a great utility weapon on the outside. But Patrick Mahomes, people are talking about the the MVP kind of being up in the air right now. He might go ahead and steal it down the stretch of this season. Once again, amazing. Nine touchdowns over the past two weeks. Four in this one. Five the week prior against the New York Jets. 372 yards. Lights out, Pat. They had him in motion on that one touchdown play. Andy Reid playing chess, rest of the NFL. Shit checkers. 25 touchdowns to one interception on the year for Patty Mahomes. The greatest quarterback that's ever laced it up, that's ever put on a football uniform. And this was just a weird game for the Chiefs. The Chiefs play games like this, and they're pretty lucky to have come away with the win. This was very reminiscent of the game against the Titans last year, where they seemed pretty in control of the game and especially late. And you just felt like, okay, the chiefs are going to run away with this. You know, it's the chiefs up nine points with five minutes left. They, they couldn't find a way to lose this. And then somehow here you are with a kicker, you know, with a chance to win the game deep in, you know, whether it was a miracle shot or not, the, the Panthers had a chance to put that game, you know, make it very, very interesting at the end. And so weird one for the chiefs, the Panthers had possession 
17 more minutes than the Chiefs did. We're able to run almost 20 more plays. Yet, when you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, you know, you could run 20 plays and he'll get you three touchdowns. So, Chiefs just doing what the Chiefs do. Patrick Mahomes just being amazing. Andy Reid being clever as can be. And, uh, you know, it's tough because the Panthers played one of the best games they probably played all year, too. No doubt. Teddy Bridgewater was fantastic in this one. Very efficient day. Uh, I, I said that they might not have found their quarterback. I don't know. Teddy Bridgewater is, is slowly but surely uh, making me eat those words a little bit. 310 yards, two touchdowns, 89.3 QBR in terms of uh, expected points added performance, 0.35 expected points added per play. Patrick Mahomes, with that performance I just mentioned, 0.36 expected points added per play. So they were matching each other blow for blow. Joe Brady continues to show the play-calling magic, but you just can't make any mistakes against this Kansas City Chiefs team. You have to be perfect almost every drive. It's just so difficult to match the firepower of this team when they have arguably the deepest standalone receiving core in the league and then a guy like Travis Kelsey who's having the best season of his illustrious career. Another incredible day. 10 catches, 12 targets, 159 yards, .73 EPA per play with a 77% uh, positive EPA production rate. Crazy, crazy good stuff from Travis Kelsey. And it just goes to show that the Kansas City Chiefs not getting talked a lot about a lot this year. They're kind of old news. Everybody's loving what Josh Allen's doing. Everybody's fawning over the Get Russ Cook. But the uh, the Patrick Mahomes train is still the top dog in the entire NFL land. Closing things what, out. Yeah, about ahead, the Pat. Panthers real quick. It was yeah. almost very beneficial to have Christian McCaffrey out for a couple games because the swagger that Teddy has gotten over the last few weeks and – Forget your Patrick Ewing theory. Christian McCaffrey came back and almost entered the, the lineup flawlessly. He had an awesome game. And so I think it was great to let Teddy be the man for a few weeks. And this Panthers team, I could see them going on a little bit of a run, being pretty frisky to some great teams down the line. I'm excited for him. Yeah, it remains to be seen what, what happens with CMC. Shoulder injury right now, late in Sunday's game. Uh, after just missing six weeks with that ankle sprain. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Love watching him play every Sunday. He is a great talent in this league. But to your point, Pat, it kind of allowed them to unlock Curtis Samuel a little bit. He's gotten a lot more touches, a lot more uh, chances at greatness this year. He's shown the ability to get in the end zone with limited limited uh, opportunity, and he's maximizing all of those throughout uh, 2020 so far. A team that is maximizing a coaching change so far uh, after letting go of Dan Quinn, the Atlanta Falcons win their third contest in their past four under the head coaching duties of Raheem Morris, 34-27 over the now 3-5 and five Denver Broncos. Drew Locke, eh, shaky once again. Kind of looked like, honestly, kind of looked like Nick Foles back there. 48 attempts, 313 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Meanwhile, Matt Ryan still showing he can be the conductor of a very well-oiled Atlanta Falcons offensive machine, 20, 284 yards on 25 completions, three touchdowns, and an interception. Todd Gurley, efficient once again. Julio Jones got in the end zone. They got some uh, action from our guy, Olamide Zacchaeus. And then Jerry Judy, all-time performance so far in his young rookie career, seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. It seemed closer than it really was, Pat. The Falcons controlled this one basically from start to finish, got out to a 10-0 lead, never looked back. And maybe it's the dreads, maybe it's the number, 
but Jerry Judy looks a lot like DeAndre Hopkins out there sometimes to me. Mm. He looks awesome. Maybe it's just the way he runs. We haven't seen him with the hands or make the spectacular catches yet, but he looks similar electric. route looks running like, prowess. They're both very, right. very established route runners. Routes. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to uh, to watch his career go forward. And so if Drew Locke, if he can't make Drew Locke look good, I don't know who can. But uh, he looked all right. You know, he had some garbage time moments. This is just one of those whatever games, right? Like, which is the better bad team? I guess the Falcons are the more wily veteran bad team, and so they were able to come away with this one. But uh, the young bad team and the Broncos still showed some promise. They hit some bright spots. Not much more to say about this one. Two, two, three win teams. Not very much relevance the rest of the season. If you're the if you're a Broncos fan, you love to see the young receiving core showing out. Top three options: very, very young and Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, both rookies, and then Noah Fant and Tim Patrick. Uh, uh, I think both in their second year in the NFL. So want to get those guys as much action as possible. And time to turn over this to action to my man, Mr. Fetch, with the back half of the slate. Oh, yeah. A pretty gross back half of the slate at that one, What Russ. do you mean? It was fun. It was a good 4 p.m. I, I was ripping <laughs> it in the group chat, but it was a fun 4 o'clock, uh, 4 o'clock slate. Let's get into some energy. Yeah, you're right, Russ. Let's not talk down good about this NFL vibes. football game. Good vibes. Let's, let's go into uh, the first game. The Houston Texans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-25. to Yeah, me. Awesome. Looting um, me crazy, baby. Jake Luton. <laughs> it's looting so this time. Game, Loot this game is that same, <laughs> the same energy as that uh, Broncos-Chargers game did for me last week. Just like an extremely irrelevant division game in uh, bottom division teams. You don't know what my, I mean, the Jaguars have just some fun electric skill guys. And I feel like they're just always that frisky over team for me. Every time I see them, I feel like they're going to score 30 and give up 40. It doesn't seem to work out that way, but I guess good for the Texans, you know, good for Deshaun Watson, but also at the same time, you know, this might be the game that each team looks back at when they lost a draft pick and, you know, lost the guy that could have been a difference maker. Get this, Pat. So before the Titans, or excuse me, the Texans fired Bill O'Brien, terrible play calling decisions, which might not surprise many. Ranked 29th in uh, in Cook Index, which measures uh, passing on first and second down in the first 28 minutes of the game. So basically, passing when you have all the freedom in the world to pick whatever play you want, depending on game situation. So they were 29th in Cook Index uh, following their 0 and 4 start to the season. But in the past four games, they have passed 62% of the time on those situations, uh, which is fourth in the league. So what that does, Pat, you know, it's not rocket science, but when you put the ball in the, in the hands of your best player, passing the ball through the air, it's going to do good things for you. And that's what we saw in today's game, 32 attempts from Deshaun Watson. He continues to have an amazing kind of head-scratching season where you don't see a lot of instances where an elite quarterback is playing well and their team is also is still just terrible. But that's what you have in the two and six Texans who finally notched uh, a victory uh, in in the month of uh, of November. Just got it started off on the on a high note, and there's not much else to say here. You like what you get from Jake Luton, 304 yards and a touchdown, second career pass attempt. He had a uh, a deep ball throw to DJ Chark, which was right on that the was money. Fun. 
and he continues to uh, cash checks for the people supporting him on the on the spread. I think he was one of the best uh, against uh, quarterbacks against the spread during his time at Oregon State. One and zero in his career with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he uh, will continue to try to defy the odds makers next week against the Green Bay Packers hey. when uh, he's a two touchdown dog. Jake Luton, loot your bookie with say. a little two touchdown money. That's that's a key number, Pat. That's a key number. Just, right a, just about to that's say a, he's getting a, getting a lot of points. Could be someone <laughs> to look for. There you go. We'll be keeping an eye on that one. Keeping an eye on that. All one. Right, That'll let's, be. Uh, a, a thick gem in the 1 p.m. slate. Continue with it, Pat. You got sure. it. Sure. Yeah, we were spending too much time on on Luton and the Jaguars. Let's move it on. <laughs> Let's go to Los Angeles. Let's go to L.A. Bright and sunny L.A. The Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. 31-26 over the Chargers. And I think you're. I think you like the Raiders a lot, and I like the Raiders a lot to Russ and you know why it's just because they're frisky I love the attitude I love coaches that bring attitude I've said it about Vrabel I've said it about Tomlin and Gruden's right there with it he's got guys believing he's got Derek Carr believing in himself a little bit and he's got a team playing smart complimentary football they understand Mm -hmm. who they are they aren't trying to extend past who they are and they're winning very valuable football games that are going to matter a lot for a team just trying to gain experience on what it means to win, a, ga- a team that's trying to gain experience in the playoff, sneak into a playoff, you know, overcome a lot of things. And so I love what the Raiders are doing. I think them and the Browns, it's going to be awesome to watch two sort of classic and two in our generation traditionally struggling franchises go toe-to-toe to try to make the playoffs. I hope they both make it, and it's going to be fun down the wire. Derek Carr pushing the ball down the field, Pat. That's what's unlocked this offense. It's the reason they beat the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks back, and it's the reason they were able to hold serve in this divisional contest and take take one against the Los Angeles Chargers to get to 5-3 and three and really solidify their chances at a wild-card berth in the AFC. Didn't need much from Derek Carr, but 165 yards, two touchdowns on 23 attempts, very efficient afternoon, 7.2 yards per. And when you hit... Nelson Aguilar for uh, a combined 27 and a half yards per catch and 30 yards per catch to Hunter Renfro on the other end. It just makes things a lot easier for this offense to keep, keep cooking. Devontae Booker, Josh Jacobs were very solid. They ran the ball at will once again, over six yards per carry, 160 on the ground. And the Chargers, every single week, Pat, we talk about it. The curse of Spanos. I was getting ready to lift it when Donald Parm Almost, almost caught the second fade, goal line fade attempt that the Chargers threw on the goal. I, I just can't, I can't stand it, Pat. I cannot stand it. You have one of the most athletic, biggest quarterbacks in the NFL right now in Justin Herbert. You could run the ball with him up the middle. You could run a slant route with Keenan Allen. You can run literally anything besides a play that gets converted at about a 13 to 15% rate back in 2019, the goal line fade. It's an abject disaster. I hate when it gets called. It almost never works. You have to perfectly throw the ball, and the Chargers were not able to perfectly execute it, something we've said time and time again for this team in 2020. But, hey, they have Justin Herbert. He is, once again, incredible. I cannot believe how well he has played so far. 28 of 42 on the day, 326, two touchdowns, did not turn the ball over, uh, eight completions of 16-plus yards, only took two sacks. 
They're averaging 26 points per game under uh, Justin Herbert, 17 points per game last year under Phillip Rivers. He has changed the dynamics of this offense, and they're starting to slowly get there. But, man, they need a coaching staff that can close. So I'm calling it right now, too. The Chargers are absolutely next year going to be that team that everyone's, like, sneaky picking to make the playoffs and make a run. Everyone's going to talk about how electric their defense is with Bosa and Hayward and Harris and Derwin James and their young quarterback. I'm just not going to believe it because I watch this year in and year out. It's The Chargers are going to need something drastic to change this curse of Spanish because it's gross, gross, gross. Let's move along, though. Let's move along to another great game. The matchup between number not number one overall picks, but it felt like it, I guess, in a lot of ways. Tua versus Kyler, 34-31 Dolphins over the Cardinals. This what was a, a wild game. one. What a game. Yeah, this was a wild one. I mean, Kyler was electric in all aspects, ran for over 100 yards, 283, almost 300 yards to the air. Very efficient, too. 21 for 26, three touchdowns, no picks. But how about Tua? How about Tua? 20 for 28, 250 yards, two touchdowns, and the win. He went out there and got the win. Had a huge drive at, uh, late in the game. I'm very impressed with the way Tua played. And uh, I didn't expect it. I'll tell you that much. I definitely thought that Cardinals were going to come out and win this game. And I am surprised. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love Brian Flores. He went and built a culture in Miami. He's got people mm-hmm. believing in him, and he's got his guys winning five and three for the Dolphins, three and one on the road as well. Turnovers for the difference in this one. Early fumble by Kyler Murray that was returned for a touchdown by Shaq Lawson ended up being the reason why his spellbinding performance was for not number one performance this season in terms of completion percentage over expectation by a quarterback in a loss. Uh, had 15.1% completion over his expected number 96.7 QBR that's the 10th best performance this season but it didn't matter because Tua Tagovailoa never made that crucial mistake 248 yards of his own was almost nine yards per attempt uh, pushing the ball down the field nearly matched Kyler Murray's 10 yards uh, average depth of target overall love what I saw to Tua Tagovailoa best throw of the game Pat was that Mike Kosicki rollout uh, to his left, and the way he moved, the way he put the zip on the ball to get that 15 to 20 yard window closed as fast as it did, just showed the elite traits that had GM salivating over him for the better part of the past two years. 34 31. I'm I'm just kind of sad that these guys are in different conferences. Only two more matchups in the next decade between these guys in the regular season. We need more. We need more of this, Pat. You are right, and Tua looked good, healthy, strong, comfortable, poised. Yeah, It was nice. He didn't look like a rookie the last few weeks. He definitely just, he looked out of place, and he looked overwhelmed, yeah. and he looked well, like last a Last week, everybody's, like I said, I think it was on our show last week when I said, you don't see a quarterback, a young quarterback or a rookie have a great debut outside of Justin Herbert and Andrew Luck over the past 10 years, and, and Cam Newton played really well and his debut, but I, I thought that he's, he's two a in well, and they let him, let him really control the whole offense. Jordan Howard and that rushing tack didn't do anything in this game. Uh, leading rusher was uh, 
uh, Salvin Ahmed, 38 yards. They ran for 3.6 as a team, left the keys in the hands of Tua Tagovailoa, and he uh, he drove the sports car all the way home. To me, this kind of speaks to, like you, meant, like you said, Brian Flores and the culture, because if if Zach Taylor was as great of a culture builder and as great of a coach <laughs> as Brian Flores, let's be honest right now, the Bengals yeah. would, would be a playoff team. They would have closed these games that the Miami Dolphins are closing. Now, they did get some help in this one, Pat, by Cliff Kingsbury, who chose to kick a field goal on fourth and short when he could have used the sprint option that was working so well for Kyler Murray, uh, utilized it to a career-high 106 yards rushing, but chose not to go on that avenue, gave it to the hands of Zane Gonzalez, who left a 49-yarder short. Don't see that very often. That's tough. Yeah, I don't know if I can blame Cliff that much just because going for yeah. a tie in that situation is so crucial, but it's tough. It's tough. That's a tough situation. And I, I'm not so, going to rip him because you'd think, you'd think Zane would be able to get the ball 50 yards, but, you know, he's only getting paid a few mil, you know. Yeah. It's not, not NFL a, kickers not a, leaving 49. Not like it's a big chunk of change or, any, or anything, you know. Not That's like just, it was a big kick. Not like he had any adrenaline going through his veins and – I mean, that's tough. You don't want to blast here too much just for missing a kick, but that was a tough one. But let's move along. We have a more important game to talk about, the last <laughs> of the 4 o'clock slate, and quite the ugly one, too. When I said ugly games, this was at the top of my mind. But a gut win, a gut check for the Yenzers. Pittsburgh Steelers, 24. Dallas Cowboys, the, the team formerly known as America's team, their crown has been stolen time and time again by the team in Pittsburgh. 24-19 Steelers. It was terrible. It was a terrible game, though. Garrett Gilbert, which sounds like a cartoon character, the son of Gail Gilbert, which sounds like the dad of a cartoon character, played way too well against the Steelers' defense, who has been giving up yards after yard, Too many yards. Too many yards on the ground. Too many yards to the air. And uh, it took a pretty great performance from Ben down the stretch to keep them in this game. He ended up throwing for over 300 yards, had three touchdowns, a little bit of scare with a knee injury. But um, Both in every way that the – what was that? Both knees were injured. He's, uh, he's, he was on their injury report today, so that's something to monitor this week. And the, uh, the, battle, the battle of the AFC North, Pat, first edition this year on the pod. It's a big week. Yes, you're right. I can't wait. I can't wait. But uh, back to it. Everything that you would hope the Steelers were able to do in this game, which is dominate on defense and hold what's been a awful Cowboys team. Uh, they were not able to do that. And you would hope that they could get the rush game going, which had struggled at times. And you'd hope this would be a statement game where they could get it going. And that was the exact opposite on that end. So not a great game, but a win's a win. A win on the road's a win. And so... I, I can't I can't complain too much. Eight no, halfway there, Russ. Halfway there. Don't, don't sound too excited about it, Pat. Dang. <laughs> to that type of uh that type of virtual body language I'm getting from you on the other end here. This is a this is a weird eight no team. Honestly, like I'm not and this is not me being like the rival hate or anything. But it feels like one of the worst 8-0 teams, if that's even a thing, that you could think of. And according to Football Outsiders DBOA, uh, Aaron Schatz, the founder, actually had this kind of uh, thought as well. And he went back and looked at it. They are 16th 
uh, and they're out of the 22 teams, uh, the past 22 teams in their database to start out eight and zero or better. So overall, they're just their defense is really good, and they played great on Sunday once again. Uh, got to Garrett Gilbert a lot, pressured him almost at will. Never let the defense, never let the offense uh, find their way in terms of efficient passing, but. They can't throw the ball downfield. And when you can't throw the ball downfield in this league, it's going to hamstring you like it happened to the Indianapolis Colts and like it almost happened to the Steelers last week when they needed a couple key mistakes from Lamar Jackson to go their way. But 8-0 is 8-0. They have one on the margins. They're winning the coaching battle every week. And that's sometimes the most important thing in the sport of football. And on top of that, you have a veteran quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger who knows what he is at this point in career and he's leaning into it uh, with a solid set of receivers that can get yards after the catch but at some point it gotta figure out a way to either access the deep ball or find a consistent running game because short passes I don't think are going to be able to get them through three three rounds in the playoffs and lift the one party trophy. You're right. And the reality is Ben needs to be healthy for this team. So if there's anything yeah. serious whatsoever going on, um, they're just lost with Mason Rudolph, who is probably, yeah, the worst quarterback I've ever seen ever <laughs> take snaps in the NFL. He did is you, absolutely. Did you take a deep breath when you saw him come in last week? Did you gulp? Was it a big gulp, Pat? I, I got on Amazon and I started looking at Joe Burrow jerseys, actually. It was swift, decisive. 38-3 New Orleans Saints over the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, I didn't watch too much of the game. There wasn't much to watch. I, 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 we mentioned how weird of a game this felt going into it, right? Uh, you got the noise of A.B. making his debut. Yeah, Michael Thomas coming back for the Saints. You have, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of a must-win, it feels like, for the Bucks for them to really – um, you know, solidify themselves as a dominant team in the NFC, but only 28% chance to win the <laughs> NFC South now, Tampa Bay. Tough. And uh, a team I picked to win that division, and they're not completely out of it. Six and three, the Saints only six and two, but a very demoralizing loss, you have to think. But at the same time, one of those losses you just, you just sweep under the rug, right? Like it, it was weird. I mean, because what what happened, Russ? Diversity and multiplicity, deep roster talent, and a pissed off Saints team is what happened, Pat. Like I was with you right here. I I kind of turned this thing off at halftime. Didn't see any reason to keep watching this bloodbath. Pressured Tom Brady, the old man, classic formula on half of his 38 attempts. Never was able to see the lighted day. Forced him to move to his right, shuffle his feet, got him off balance. He was throwing ducks led to a three-interception performance, which is something you never see from Tom Brady. I believe it's been almost a, a decade since he's thrown three interceptions in a game. It was a brutal, brutal night. And to that point, Tom Brady, 3.8 total QBR. It's the worst he's ever had since QBR first started getting tracked by ESPN back in 2006. Arguably Brady's worst regular season performance of his career. And... It was kind of, I think, more of a statement to me about where the Saints are. They get Michael Thomas back, Drew Brees, everybody was doubting him early in the year. All they've done is let him be efficient, let him lean on Alvin Kamara, and now he's got a full plethora of weapons, hit 12 target or hit 12 different receivers tonight. 
Michael Thomas, first game back, led the team with five catches for a team-high 51 yards. This team is very dangerous, Pat, and when they can get pressure with four men like they were able to do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a, a team sporting a top-five offensive line through the first half of the season, then they are the preeminent favorite in the NFC, except they just have not played like that, especially on the back end of that defense, which was lights out today, intercepting Tom Brady and making his life hell. And it wasn't even to the point where the like the game was over before it even started. The, the yeah. Buccaneers were only able to get five rush attempts. The game started with three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out pick for the for the Bucks. It took mm-hmm. them five possessions to run more than three plays, to which they promptly uh, turn the ball over on downs when they were down twenty-eight to nothing already. Like the game was over before it even started. And um, I guess to your point, props to the Saints for being able to get pressure and all this and terrorize. But like, it was just ugly early. And when the Saints' offense was just clicking like that, it was all-around domination early and often for that game. And I I hope that the Bucks can bounce back because I wanted something more exciting from that. And since I'm not a Saints fan, I guess is the only reason it's not been exciting for me. But we will see. We will see. Do you want to get on the MVP and fumble now, Russ? I know you were anxious. Do you want to go first? You seem, you seem to be jumping I'll, the gun. I'll go, I'll go ahead and give the MVP as, uh, as Tom Brady falls to a division opponent for the second time in a regular season, first time that's ever happened in his 20-plus year career. MVP for me this week, we're going to go all the way back to Thursday night. Devontae Adams. What else can you say about the guy? It's kind of a culmination event from his first half of the season where in a crowded, loaded, wide-receiving unit across the NFL, he has supplanted himself as the number one option, I think, in the National Football League. First player with at least 600 receiving yards and eight touchdowns over his first six contests since the 2007 Randy Moss season. Best release in the NFL, one of the best route runners in the NFL, Fresno State product who has done it the right way. Like I mentioned, all those performances, like at the top of the show where the Packers went 3-0 and and the Lions went 0-3, Devontae Adams, a big reason why this Green Bay Packers offense has them at the top of the NFC North. He's my MVP this week. What do you got, Pat? You know who my MVP is, Russ. You didn't even have to ask me. Josh Allen, the man who looks great in shorts. <laughs> had an awesome game against the Seattle Seahawks 31 for 38 415 yards that's an 81.6% completion percentage three touchdowns he had a couple no touchdown games the last couple weeks against a couple tough uh, division opponents and the you know the the big strong New York Jets and the skeleton of the New England Patriots but he not helping your MVP case here. <laughs> he had a huge, huge bounce back game in this one, though. 400 yards, three touchdowns. He's six in the NFL now in QBR still, Russ. So he's not out of it. Third in third in yards. He's having a great year. You can't deny it. It was a huge bounce back game. He took advantage of the free yards that the Seattle defense has given people. He's, he put them on his stat sheet, and he's taken them with them. We'll see where he goes from here, but... Had a huge game, got his team to seven and two. They really seem like they're on their way to the division win. Awesome for Buffalo. Josh Allen's my MVP this week. Fumble of the week, Russ. We touched on it with Cliff Kingsbury and uh, his fumble compatriot here, 
Mostly the fumble goes to Zane Gonzalez, who is now five of eight on the year with 40 to 49 yard field goals highlighted by the worst miss of the season. So far, I would say on those such attempts, perfect kick, perfect form, but he just left it short, hit it. Like bring your purse next time, Zane, what are we doing, bud? Fumble of the week goes to Zane Gonzalez for, for blowing a chance at overtime for the Arizona Cardinals. What do you got, Pat? That's tough, Russ. You're giving, killing the kicker. I had a couple because I thought you might pick one of them that were obvious. So I kind of want to just give two of them out there because they're both terrible. Oh, I want to give Matt Nagy. I want to give Matt Nagy a fumble just because he's terrible. And with how bad the Titans have been, with how bad they've been on third down, and the way teams have been able to take advantage of him, and for this offensive guru that he is to just lay a stinker that he did. Fumble to you, Matt Nagy, and then obviously the you game believe he about. won Coach of the Year. Like two, that was two years ago. He won Coach of the Year. Time flies. Time yeah. changes fast, Pat. I, I I completely forgot about that. Slash <laughs> didn't know about that, and that is wonderful. A wonderful information to know. <laughs> the but twelve the and Bucks, four, twenty eighteen Bears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was an electric season. The double doink season, unbelievable. But um. The Bucks, the Bucks also fumbled away a huge opportunity this week. So honorable mention to them because losing positioning in the division and everything Sorry, that went along I with it. That. Sorry, Siri, but Bucks fumble as well. Siri wanted to get in on the fumble action. I know everybody enjoyed the fumble MVP. Yeah, she knew this week, Pat. She knew. That'll wrap up the week nine slate recap. Uh, so much fun getting to move this thing to Monday nights, get a little bit more space between episodes. We will talk to you, the riding the three by three faithful on Thursday evening, getting you set for week 10, some more college football action, some more NBA draft chatter with the, with the, uh, festivities, just a few days away, all that and more on this upcoming edition of riding the three by three. This has been the NFL recap riding the three by three. I'm your host, Russ Heltman. He is Patrick Fetch. Have a great rest of your week, everybody.